Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news and initiatives that focus on the development of cybersecurity economics. You don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert to get plugged in. Your host brings it straightforward, asks the tough questions, and brings the cyber world to a level of understanding for everyone. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Hello, everybody. My name is Tim Montgomery. I'm your host for New Cyber Frontier. And today's guest is uh, Dylan Gilbert. And Mr. Gilbert, sir, uh, would you please introduce yourself and kind of your background for us? Sure thing. Uh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, my name is Dylan Gilbert. I am Privacy Policy Advisor with the National Institute of Standards and Technology, uh, NIST. Uh, I'm part of the Privacy Engineering Program at NIST. And um, uh, I guess a bit about me, I'm a lawyer by training. I uh, came to NIST uh, from the nonprofit think tank space in DC. Uh, where I led the privacy work at my organization and did a lot of work around the uh, ever-elusive federal privacy legislation. I also participated at that time as a stakeholder in the development of the NIST privacy framework. So I've been a NIST about uh, a year and a half now, just shy of that. And uh, most of my work at the NIST privacy program uh, focuses on the privacy framework and uh, our sort of work streams that are running in parallel with the privacy framework around workforce and small and medium businesses. Uh, so it's a pleasure to be here and, uh, and, and, and looking yeah. forward to talking about what we have going on. Yeah, pleasure to have you. Um, so, you know, in today's uh, industry, we're, you know, we're, we normally talk about cyber, but primarily your function is privacy. And I know there's uh, a, a, a relationship there between uh, cybersecurity and risk and, and uh, privacy risk, right? So that's oh, kind yeah, of a yeah. primary function for you guys is kind of trying to relay that that, that genuine approach to uh, the ventricle uh, relationship, I guess you could say. So oh, to- n- no doubt about it. I mean, in fact, you know, so many folks I'm, I'm sure are on uh, the listen to the podcast are familiar with the NIST cybersecurity framework, you know, something that's been around for quite some time now. It's widely adopted. And the, yeah. the, NIST, the NIST privacy framework, I kind of talk about it as sort of the feisty younger sibling of the NIST cybersecurity framework uh, <laughs> that's, you know, focused on privacy risk management. But, you know, as we were developing the NIST privacy framework, what, a, a really hot topic and an important topic that our stakeholders, you know, wanted to flesh out during that process was, well, okay, well, what's the, what, what's the relationship? between cybersecurity risk and privacy risk, right? Because if we're going to do our own framework that's dedicated specifically to privacy risk management, um, it's going to be important to really tease out how NIST conceives of that relationship. And so there was a lot of, of discussion around uh, around that uh, during the development of the framework. And, and ultimately, what we, what we landed on was you know, a good old fashioned Venn diagram that uh, is part of our privacy framework that kind of talks about the relationship between between the two. And, and you know, I think that uh, it, a pretty quick way to, 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 to articulate it is, you know, if you look on one side of the, of the Venn diagram, you would have cybersecurity risk. You know, these are pretty commonly understood to be uh, something that will arise from a loss of CIA, right? Confidentiality, right. integrity, availability of data. Yeah. Um, and a lot of, I think a lot of cybersecurity pros, they, they'll think about privacy risk as maybe something that we would consider to fall within the overlap of the Venn diagram. So these are going to be sort of like 
cybersecurity related privacy uh, privacy risks. So things, you know, maybe the most common one, commonly understood one would be something like a, a data breach, right, where there may be an unauthorized access to data that does ultimately lead to some problems uh, for individuals, whether that's, you know, identity theft or, or, or you know, discrimination or other, or other things of that nature. But what we really had um, that we wanted to tease out in our privacy framework is to say, hey, you know, there are privacy risks that are associated with data processing activities that could be unrelated to cybersecurity risks. So you could just be doing data processing in a way that doesn't implicate a loss of CIA, but there can still be some privacy risks that are inherent in that. Um, and so, you know, kind of teasing out that relationship and talking about how the privacy framework, you know, is meant to address both privacy risks uh, on their own and also the way, the extent to which they overlap with cybersecurity risk uh, kind of helped us to, you know, show, you know, folks and organizations, those that were interested in implementing how those two frameworks could kind of be used, you know, alone or, or in tandem. I gotcha. Yeah, so there's integral relationships among, uh, especially those information out on the internet as far as privacy goes and protecting that specific information. Um, so we're going to take a brief pause here, sir, and uh, we'll come back uh, after we get um, commercials from our sponsors. So I'm going to take a brief interlude and we'll come right back. I'll see you then. Cyber Resilience Institute helps build strong cyber communities designed to prevent members from attack. Like building a neighborhood watch, it takes coordination and a sharing community to protect our identities and valuables in the virtual world. Typically, we hear that organizations know they need to do something to protect their cyber assets, but don't know where to begin. Let Cyber Resilience Institute help your community create an action plan. Cyber Resilience Institute will build your community or business marketplace so that it is designed to support a collective cyber defense. Contact them for more information at cyberresilienceinstitute.org. All right, we're back from our sponsors, and this is New Cyber Frontier coming at you from uh, Council or uh, Colorado Springs area. Uh, my name is Timothy Montgomery, and I'm here with our host, Dylan Gilbert. Um, who runs the uh, engineering privacy uh, NIST framework of standards work group? Am I referring to that correctly, sir? Yeah, so I'm I'm with the uh, privacy engineering program at NIST, uh, and then within the privacy engineering program, uh, I uh, kind of lead our work that's related to the NIST privacy framework and some of our related work streams around workforce uh, and small and medium business adoption. Awesome, that's right. Um, and so before the commercial, you were referring to, uh, we kind of jumped into it hard and heavy, and maybe some of our audience doesn't quite understand what uh, what exactly is this privacy engineering program that we really just jumped ahead after you referenced so kindly uh, the difference between cyber risk and privacy risk, which are actually two different things. You're absolutely correct about that. Um, so what exactly is, is going on? I mean, this NIST standard that you've come up with, or you're working on perceivably to come out with for privacy or engineering programs for NIST. Explain a little bit of that for me. Yeah, yeah, the program in general. So, um, uh, so uh, you know, for those who may not be familiar with uh, with NIST, hopefully many are, as because of the NIST cybersecurity framework, as I mentioned earlier. But we are a non-regulatory agency within the Department of Commerce, and so uh, you know, in general. 
NIST, uh, you know, provides sort of guide guidance resources uh, to to stakeholders, you know, both in the private and public sector uh, to help with um, their, you know, information technology related uh, issues and topics. So when it comes to privacy itself, our mission in the privacy engineering program is to support the development of trustworthy information systems um, and then to provide guidelines, tools and, and resources to protect privacy and by extension, civil liberties. So we do have a number of, of uh, sort of resources and documents that, that we create in addition to our work within uh, international standards bodies, uh, but some of our sort of most well-known marquee resources uh, at the privacy program would be the aforementioned NIST Privacy Framework, a companion uh, framework to the NIST Cybersecurity Framework. We also have NIST Special Publication 853, uh, which Revision 5 just came out, which is our catalog of, of uh, security and privacy controls that were just recently integrated together in a pretty big significant upgrade, uh, uh, something that is uh, used um, significantly within the, the government, but also private sector companies that, that use that as well. Um, and uh, we also have a privacy engineering collaboration space, which is sort of an open uh, an open collaboration space place where, where uh, you know, stakeholders can come together and talk about privacy enhancing technologies. And in particular, we have a differential privacy blog series that we have ongoing right now that provides, um, you know, uh, blogs uh, dedicated to differential privacy topics and introduces some of the, you know, common uh, questions, use cases, challenges, and tools that are available uh, to help, you know, implement differential privacy solutions uh, for organizations that, that are looking to, to increase disassociability with their data processing. Uh, so what we're hoping to do is eventually leverage that, that blog series to, uh, to create some, uh, some guidance uh, specifically on differential privacy. So lots of sort of, you know, research going on in terms of like nitty gritty uh, privacy engineering topics and then these general sort of resources like in this privacy framework that can help organizations um, with kind of privacy risk management real large. Awesome. It sounds like a lot of work going on there to yeah. program them across the board. I know uh, I did get a chance to see if I could become a part of it myself over the past month or two as we've gotten more and more. Uh, Mr. Gorog is actually on the IEEE end of this doing a lot of the work of establishing a lot of the effort for what IEEE is starting to put together for digital privacy in this chapter. Uh, and I'm sure he's anxious to, would have loved to have been on to, to ask questions more so. Um, it was something I think he wanted to do, but he had uh, other other things he had to go to establish before then. So other obligations. Yeah. Understandable there. Correct? Absolutely. I also understand. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you're talking about tools. Um, I see one. I've gone to your website. I've kind of looked around a little bit in here. Uh, lots of little nifty tools. Can you explain the privacy risk assessment methodology? This for the PRAM, PRP, RAM. Absolutely. Yeah, the PRAM. We we do affectionately refer to it as the PRAM, and uh, yeah, that's uh, happy to talk about it. It's something that um, that we we in, encourage folks to that are using the this privacy framework to consider uh, using the the privacy risk assessment methodology as well. Now. To be clear, uh, use of it is voluntary, just like all of our documents. But what the what the PRAM offers is, you know, NIST's sort of methodology for doing privacy risk assessment um, and our sort of concept of uh, uh, conception about what privacy risk is. So, you know, um, 
you know, basically when we think about privacy risk in NIST, we're talking about the likelihood that individuals will experience problems that result from data processing and then the impact should that occur. And so, you know, when we're talking about problems, uh, you know, this could be things that individuals could experience um, uh, that, um, you know, either singly or in groups like at the society level as a result of data processing. Um, you know, which can range from things like dignity type effects like embarrassment or stigmas to more tangible harms like discrimination, economic loss, physical harm. Uh, and so when we, you know, we, we created this definition of privacy risk, um, likelihood individuals will experience these problems as a result of data processing, the impact should those problems occur. You know, we use likelihood and impact language there to mirror cybersecurity, but yeah. In the case of privacy, the focus is on these, you know, problems that individuals could experience rather than threats and vulnerabilities. So what the PRAM does is it offers uh, basically our, 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 our model for privacy risk and then a methodology so that, or, you know, an organization that is looking, looking to do a privacy risk assessment can follow through, you know, a series of worksheets uh, to kind of identify organizational prior priorities, identify contextual factors that can be related to that data processing, um, and then, you know, really offer a, a quantitative analysis around likelihood and impact when it comes to privacy risk, you know, uh, whether it's sort of at the organizational or, or system level, uh, and then, you know, uh, decide uh, how the, how, you know, an organization wants to address that risk. You know, again, there's, there's, you know, a number of ways that organizations can, can address privacy risk. Um, you know, whether that's from, you know, transferring or sharing the risk, avoiding the risk altogether by just not, you know, foregoing that data processing um, or, or accepting the risk uh, because deciding that, you know, ultimately uh, the problems for individuals may be minimal or unlikely to occur. And so therefore, kind of the benefits outweigh the risks. So um, organizations can use the PRAM there to, to really do a fulsome ri privacy risk assessment uh, and then decide, you know, how they want to respond accordingly. Because, you know, what, and this is part of our sort of risk-based approach when it comes to to privacy that we think is really important, which is saying, you know, we want to be able to, it's going to be uh, important for organizations to kind of weigh the benefits and the costs to data processing because there are going to be trade-offs, right? There's going to be situations in which, you know, it may be, uh, too much risk inherent in in doing some sort of data processing, whether that's because compliance obligations or just the high risk nature of that processing itself, uh, or the organization's risk tolerance generally. So, what we really wanted to do is was was introduce this idea of risk management when it came to privacy, uh, and it, because it it was something that's more mature in cybersecurity context, but really in in many ways is still in its nascent stages. Um, you know, in, in the privacy world. So it's kind of shifting away from this singular focus on privacy compliance, right? And, and thinking about something that's going to be more future forward um, and allows uh, organizations to really um, strike that balance, that important balance between harnessing the, ben like the, the significant benefits of data processing, right? Uh, while still minimizing, you know, problems for individuals. Um, you know, I, like, I, I, I liked when I was talking to Chris earlier, this podcast like to focus on the positive and we do as well when it comes to, to, to data processing and saying, look, you know, there are just a significant number of benefits that can come, you know, to public health, to, to you know, in, in, you know, all across the board when it comes to the value of data 
to to help society to drive innovation but at the same time we can't we can't sort of overlook that there are significant privacy risks that can be um, related to that so we wanted to really set out to create a tool that'll encourage organizations to to uh, you know use that risk risk management risk based approach to privacy to kind of support ethical decision making in the you know the the design development and deployment of their systems products and services yeah no doubt um, so it sounds like it's well thought out and um, it sounds like there's there's a lot of key challenges in there uh, that uh, you guys have gnawed over and come up with a, a broad scope of different key challenges. Uh, one particular one, the point that kind of stands out to me, and I was looking at some of this information for the uh, NIST privacy framework here, the roadmap, uh, mm -hmm. was emerging technologies. I mean, mm -hmm. technology like the Internet of Things or the artificial intelligence or, um, you know, smart learning, machine learning, I guess you could reference it that way. Um, but I do some research myself, and the Internet of Things is one of the biggest things I think stands out today that has some of the biggest vulnerabilities and they're starting to utilize it in a lot of different ways, becoming more effective and more efficient through systems. But that also then enables a lot of the, uh, you know, privacy measures to be um, really null and void. And so we're looking yeah. at effective like that. So, I mean, what do you see as some of the biggest challenges or hurdles for like the emerging technology is a key challenge? What is the biggest hurdles uh, in privacy when, you, when it comes to perspective of emerging technology? Yeah, I, right. I mean, and, and it, it, it kind of just piggybacks really well on the conversation that we were just having, right? Because you're thinking about we want it, we, a lot of these emer, uh, emerging technologies involve uh, some very particular kind of uh, um, uh, components or elements to to what they do. So there's data processing, but it's really data processing at scale, right? There's a significant amount of data that could be processed. Oftentimes, the processing may be done in ways that can be somewhat opaque uh, or, or a lack, you know, inherently kind of less transparent for uh, the everyday user when we think about something like deep learning AI, trying to, you know, <laughs> pretty much impossible for almost anybody to understand what's going on there. Yeah. Uh, so you've got this kind of data processing at scale, significant amounts of data being processed some challenges sometimes with really fully understanding how that processing is taking place. Uh, a lot of situations in which you may have, uh, you know, uh, you have an ecosystem that's in place that may not necessarily just be kind of your traditional sort of consumer user to, to uh, business or device or product, you know, because there's going to be so much data exchange that's happening kind of behind the scenes you have a full ecosystem, it can be very challenging when we think about, well, how are we going to put someone in control of their data? Uh, you know, it's like, I, I like to use the analogy of trying to put someone in, in, in you know, in control of a 747. Uh, you know, I could, you could, they could say, hey, you've got the controls. It's like, I don't think I, I want the controls or I don't think you want me to have the controls here. Either. So how do we, how do we address these challenges when right. it's so complex? Um, there is such a significant amount of data and because of the you know, difficulty with with kind of meeting some of these classic privacy principles around control, around transparency, how do we main, foster and maintain trust, right? I mean, that's where we get to this, uh, this trust issue that everyone's been grappling with. You can have the most the greatest technology ever, but if somebody doesn't trust you, doesn't trust it to protect your privacy or your security for that matter, and both, then an individual is not going to want to use it, right? They're just going to yeah. say, sorry, no thanks. So, um, and then just to add another layer to it, many of these emerging technologies are not regulated. 
uh, and and you know it's an, an open question when they when and if at all they may like be sort of regulated. So that's when we talk about well, if you're focused on compliance, uh, you know you're 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 interested. Um, if you're focused on compliance, but know that you may need to get beyond compliance, right? If yeah. if you're an organization that knows it needs to foster and maintain trust, and 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 needs to be able to talk about privacy risk management throughout this entire complex ecosystem, so that everyone's speaking the same language, both internally and externally. You've got three prongs there of of things that need to be addressed, and so we really we we focus uh, when we talk about the NIST privacy framework, saying that we really think that that's where the val the NIST privacy framework can bring value in all those three areas. You know, you can foster and maintain trust because you're supporting ethical decision making, as I mentioned earlier, in your products and service design or deployment, because you're 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 showing by using the NIST privacy framework, you're looking to optimize these beneficial uses of data, but minimize adverse consequences to to uh, you know individuals' privacy and for a society as a whole. Um, and then, you know, meeting meeting current compliance obligations, but also going beyond just mere compliance. You know, if an organization wants to get out a, ahead of the curve and and be more proactive than reactive when it comes to privacy risk, that's where it's really the, the risk based approach to privacy is so important and can be so helpful to basically say, look, you know, even though even though this these sort of emerging technologies may not be regulated now, we recognize that there are privacy risks that are inherent with the use of those. We are going to use a risk-based approach to privacy, like in this privacy framework and the in the PRAM, to manage those risks effectively and make sure that they are, you know, on ongoing. It's an ongoing process as new risks emerge. Um, because of, you know, again, these are emerging technologies. So we don't even know there may be some new risks that, it, that, it, that are out there that we don't even know about yet. So really being able to kind of stay ahead of the curve and not be totally focused on just taking a compliance snapshot of what privacy means in 2021. And then that communication aspect, again, just really important that everyone is on the same page and talking about privacy risks and privacy risk management um, with a common vocabulary, a common you know way of speaking about these things. So that was really what we set out to try to address with the privacy framework. And in the PRAM is a good example of that, of saying here's how we define privacy risk. We have a lot of similarity with with uh, cybersecurity risk to help security professionals and privacy professionals. Uh, collaborate and communicate together because, you know, as as you know, um, it, it, it can be a real challenge to get um, to get everyone kind of speaking the same language. It's an it's interdisciplinary true. effort, right? True, yeah, especially with understanding how cybersecurity and the compliance measures imply yeah. to your system, let alone how to weave that privacy framework into the compliance assessment as well. So yeah. um, we're going to take a little break and hear from our sponsors. Uh, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. I'm your host, Timothy Montgomery, and I'm here with uh, Dylan Gilbert, uh, Privacy Engineer Program for NIST. 
Um, and we were just before break, we're more referencing uh, the impact of the, how the privacy framework um, is implied to the compliance overall um, and how, how that can integrate uh, with the uh, type of things that they're coming up within the, the privacy framework uh, roadmap here with NIST uh, on the working group. Uh, Dylan, um, there, we were talking about some of those key challenges and how those key challenges are, are actually being broken down in this roadmap here. And um, the NIST, it rings a bell. I know from, you know, 8570 in my time, we usually did an internship program and not here recently as contractors. Uh, we've had to realign. The Department of Navy really did a good job of realigning the, the labor codes uh, with how cybersecurity mm. broken down in the NIST relation, uh, the mm. NICE relation, N-I-C-E. Um, so the privacy framework enhancing this organization, uh, broader pool skills and knowledge. Uh, what's um, you know, what's going on with the initiative between uh, what you're doing and how it will impact the, the, that type of program uh, for cybersecurity and that initiative? Yeah, yeah, no, great question. Um, so um, I guess in a nutshell, workforce has been a key issue for us over here in the privacy team uh, in NIST, all the, going all the way back to the development of the privacy framework. Um, so, you know, basically stakeholders uh, have experienced challenges with privacy workforce recruitment and development. I think part of that gets back to what we were talking about, you know, how, you know, privacy risk management really is kind of a nascent field. And of course, privacy in general is a, a little bit of a, a newer field, I guess, in the grand scheme of things, maybe than cybersecurity. But well, so that's why we, because of those challenges, we, we included workforce as a priority area in the roadmap, as you mentioned. Um, and so, the, so we knew the benefits of using the privacy framework were going to be enhanced when organizations had a sufficient pool of knowledgeable and skilled professional, privacy professionals to draw from uh, to build out a workforce. Uh, and so that was kind of the genesis of our privacy workforce public working group. Uh, as you mentioned, the NICE program, the National Initiative for Cybersecurity Education, they, uh, they developed a workforce framework for cybersecurity and just updated that framework uh, to have like a new kind of a new modular structure for building out a, a workforce that's based on tasks, knowledge and skills. Okay. And so what we wanted to do was follow their lead in, in using this, this, this structure of, t of task, knowledge and skill statements, TKS statements and develop TKS statements that are aligned with the privacy framework. So essentially what that would be would say, if I'm using the privacy framework as an organization, uh, what are the, and, and, and I'm identifying the outcomes and activities that are, that are uh, outlined in our core. But you may say, well, what are the tasks that I need to do to, to, to achieve that outcome, right? What is the knowledge and skills that my workforce needs because kind of getting back to what we were talking about earlier, we don't we we like to conceive of it conceive of it not as a privacy workforce, but as a workforce capable of managing privacy risk, right? So that's something that's going to go beyond just you know a lawyer or a compliance officer, but a real interdisciplinary team, you know, that can involve IT. It's going to obviously involve the security folks, you know, pro uh, product uh, marketing teams, you know, product development teams. All of these folks need to have it. Uh, knowledge and skills around privacy and privacy risks to really effectively manage that on an organizationally wide basis. So we decided that a, private, a, a public working group was going to be the best way to kind of generate these TKS statements. Okay. Uh, so we've got that up and running now. Uh, we have our first two project teams that are 
working on the uh, risk assessment and inventory and mapping categories in the privacy framework. So if anyone that's listening is interested in, uh, in joining that, we've got information on the website, totally open to the public, and we're, uh, we're off to the races and, and definitely hoping that we can make some good progress on that in the, you know, the coming year. Yeah, what is the, the, what is the website we would go to if we were looking for, for the uh, working group? Yeah, so you would go to our NIST Privacy Framework website, which is uh, uh, nist.gov slash privacy dash framework. Uh, and then there's a there's a uh, there's a uh, menu. Uh, uh, I guess you would say it's a menu item <laughs> or a, a, yeah. a workforce advancement item on the menu that you can here, go yeah. to. Yeah, and there's a privacy workforce public working group link there in the menu that'll take you to the page and it's got my mug there as one of the co-chairs we also have a a great group of co-chairs mary cheney who's the director of information security and privacy at Experian therapeutics melanie ensign who's the ceo of a, a communications organization called discernible and trevor hughes who's the president and ceo of the iapp the international association of privacy professionals we're the we're the intrepid co-chairs leading the way and as I mentioned, we have a couple uh, project teams that are really the ones getting their hands dirty on on coming up with this TKS statement content. So all the information for joining is there and, and hope that folks that are listening would be interested. And, and we're going to be going through the whole privacy framework. <laughs> so, you know, there will be an opportunity if there's various parts of the framework when it comes to the categories in our privacy framework core that folks are interested in, uh, they can plug in when that time comes. Yeah, it looks well laid out. I got I managed to find out finding a pretty face there, sir. So, <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Yeah, you know, I use a lot of lotion. Yeah, well, <laughs> I see the other uh, coworkers you got there too. To give credit for Mary and Melanie. So, and uh, and then Trevor there. I see Mr. Hughes. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, folks listening, are interested in the uh, working or working group, uh, it's out there just as uh, Mr. Gilbert had, uh, led to. Um, well, this ends our uh, session for this podcast for New Cyber Frontier. Um, you know, thank you for coming and uh, talking with us today about privacy and uh, what NIST uh, standards are starting to come up with and how that's working out for you, Mr. Gilbert. Uh, we hope that uh, everything works out well, and maybe I can get down a little action too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you so much. Really appreciate the opportunity yeah. to come on. Sure. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of New Cyber Frontier. Remember to get involved. Often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world, but you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate. Join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea, if you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at NewCyberFrontier.com. We also encourage you to visit our sponsors' links as they are the ones that really make this show possible. I want to thank each of you for supporting the show, and we look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of New Cyber Frontier.